When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello there. It's showtime. Picture it. Did I do that? I'm Sailor Moon, the champion of justice. The power is yours. Welcome to another all-new episode of the Radical Retro Rewind. Your host, Ryan Hunter here, and my brother David is back for more holiday hijinks. Heidi ho So we're getting so close to Christmas, David. It's so close. Can you feel Christmas? In spirit, yes, but when you're in 90 degrees, it's really not that... <laughs> If you have a snowman strapped to a cactus, have two Christmas trees. One is my Irish-inspired Christmas tree that always has all Irish Santas on it and shamrocks and all green. Then we have our traditional. We're we're good. We the, the kids are gonna have some big gifts this year because we're just doing like big gifts because my kids with little pieces is no is no bueno. Do they take after our older brother, Michael, who taped every action figure and broke their arms off? Set them aflame? No. I mean, you would know the most out of that, right? You've, you've experienced it the most. Pyromaniac. <laughs> no, like the Toy Story with the kid that does the experiments. Oh my- he wasn't that level, but there was a lot of drama involved. We used to ma- build houses out of shoeboxes, and sometimes those shoeboxes, like Princess Leia, would end up on a second-story shoebox house inside the fireplace. Oh, how nice, Princess Leia! And those action figures probably cost a lot of money nowadays. Collectibles, you know. By the time I came along, there was Princess Leia heads just floating around in our basement. Like, you would come upon a random Princess Leia with her buns on her head, and just like, oh, that was a part of an action figure at one time. <laughs> Let's do a quick retro news segment. Brought to you by David. I came up with this. David did bring this up, and this is a perfect thing. After the Christmas songs go away, what is better than some disco music? Absolutely. 
keep the move going. Keep the move going, especially into, right, the new year 2021, hopefully a better year. So there seems to be a new trend with disco coming back. Not in the disco sense of pure disco, but more of like a modern version of disco. Disco inspired. Sophie Ellis Baxter. Mm Mm-hmm. Kylie Minogue, and also a little band named Steps, all hugely known in the UK and Australia. I mean, Kylie Minogue and Sophie Ellis Baxter are are known here in the States, but not huge. I'm really excited about this. So I think that everything trends and changes, and I definitely could use a little disco flavor in my life at this point. (laughs) So... Sophie Alex Baxter did a whole disco-inspired tour in her house during quarantine that she had live broadcasts of a concert. She danced around her kitchen with a disco ball in a glittery dress as her kids were playing with toys and couldn't be bothered with their mother dancing and singing live. I do that all the time. <laughs> And you don't get paid for and it either. I don't get paid for it, but... Kylie Minogue has a literal album called Disco, and she is going strong. She is the Madonna of Australia. Mm-hmm. And this band Steps, little, like we said, less known than maybe an S Club 7 that was more popular here in America. But Steps has been bringing it Disco since really the 90s. And a matter of fact, they just came out with a new, a new dance album, Steps, What the Future holds on november 27th this has a lot of upbeat abba inspired songs didn't abba write a song for them actually their previous album yeah david's right abba wrote a song for them called story of the heart which is more of a slowed down abba song but you could totally hear abba in that song so they are keeping the disco abba scene alive for us i just think that personally speaking i feel like we all need some uplifting You know, obviously the holidays are here. I feel like a lot of people are kind of just going through the motions right now, especially if you have kids, because people have lost their jobs and everything with COVID and lockdowns and losing family members and craziness. But um, I do believe that music can heal people. I definitely attribute to, you know, in my life personally, that music has healed me or has helped me, you know, with my emotions and and feelings my whole life. So I'm happy they're doing some fun music. I want fun music. I don't, I don't care. I want something fun. I want something that I can dance to, that I can sing to, that my kids can listen to in the car that doesn't drop F-bombs constantly or, um, well, my fortune won't listen to these songs because it's too happy and cheerful and it's not f this and F-U and WAP and everything else that's going on. But I, I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited about just listening to the albums and, and just kind of vegging out. Music, David's right. Music is for happy times, sad times. I know when I was younger, I loved to feel emo and love listen to some sad songs. But there's enough people out there trying to bring you down. There's enough issues in the world. I think this is a good escape. So good for you, Steps. Good for you, Kylie. And Sophie Ellis Baxter. She's known for her Murder on the Dance Floor song. I love that song. And by the way, it's so funny that I saw her, I think on TikTok or whatever. And I actually was like, oh my God, is she falling on hard times? Because she's just, she's performing. She's performing at her house with her kids, like in the background. And I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute, but I was like, oh my God, she is she like needs some, you know, 
some views or something. But um, no, she's doing, she's doing phenomenal. Like she's yeah. doing well. New album dropped, and she's doing really, really well. And the music is great. Hey everybody, I'm Carlos from the Charlie's Angels episode, and I'm here to wish you a Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. Ho, ho, ho. Now, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the moment that has brought us all here today, He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special, the 1985 special that actually only was broadcast once on television. I wonder why. It's just as obscure as the Star Wars Christmas special with <laughs> Princess Leia singing. High on some kind of drugs, as a matter of fact, too. So was that B. Was Arthur in there? B. Arthur was in there working at the cantina. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all need B. Arthur working at a cantina in space. Uh, Tatooine or where? where, where it was Tatooine. Was. It was Tatooine. The He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special starts with everybody in Eternia is preparing for Adam and Adora's birthday. Now, Adam and Adora are the title characters of their respective shows. Adam is He-Man and Adora is his twin sister, She-Ra. So Adam is helping Mad-at-Arms finish up the Sky Spy, a space shuttle intended to spy on Skeletor. Who doesn't want to spy on Skeletor? I mean, he might be be drinking a glass of wine by the fire as we speak. (laughs) (laughs) Brushing brushing Panthar. Evil Lynn's probably cooking something up in the kitchen, some potion. So then, though, the moment that they head back to the palace, Orko, the court jester, gets inside of this spaceship and messes around with the controls, causing the ship to blast off with him inside of it. This is actually a great moment in He-Man and She-Ra because for the first time we see both shows cross over in the sense that everyone's celebrating. They're all at the palace for the twins' birthdays. We get to see characters from both He-Man and She-Ra interacting. I like the idea of it, but I have to say something. What's happening on Etheria? Is the is the oh, horde not the same? Is the horde burning down the whispering woods while Shira, because even yes. even Glimmer and her mom, yes, the queen of Bright Moon is there. Angela, yeah, is there. So who's protecting everything? You said this exact same thing that I was thinking of because the horde is not taking off just because it's their birthday or Christmas or Chris. Well, yeah, and then later on Christmas because they mentioned that the celebration and the preparations have lasted days for this celebration. So that means they've been working for days painting banners and putting up flowers and the Horde has taken over, basically, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Shadow Weaver and Hordak and Catra decided they were just gonna... Take a the, break as well? Hit, hit the eggnog card, <laughs> spiked it, and, you know, they're they're passed out someplace, maybe. Even Madame Raz and Broom were there sweeping in the palace. But they put these people to work. <laughs> So (laughs) you're a broom. That's what you do. Yeah. So I will use you as a broom. At the same time, Skeletor catches sight of the aircraft. And despite not knowing what it is or who is flying it, he gives chase to it with his ship, the Collector. The Collector seemed astronomically larger than this little spy ship. In fact, I don't even know how Orko fit in the ship. I don't know if that was just an issue of perception because yes. my idea was maybe it was supposed to be like a satellite, like, you know, shot into space. Yes, very small. Very but small. how did Orco fit in there? Because that the, the collector was like a football field 
And the the little spacecraft thing was like like a hot dog size compared to (laughs) the two. And the collector was like a skull-shaped disc with pinchers, gigantic pinching arms. In honor of his- Skeletor, yeah. Yes, his, oh, holy one. Skeletor. (laughs) Unholy one, I should say. So, of course, he's asking his minions to, to follow them and find what's going on. So then- Prince Adam and Man-at-Arms have no idea that Orko has taken off in this machine. But he does drop his magic book that he just so happened to have in his hands when he was finding the the spies. Queen Marlena Marlena comes in, I think, with a door and says, we found Orko's magic book by the launch pad. So at this point, they know that the spy ship has launched. And now they assume that Orko's in it and he's going to get into trouble. Which, learn from your lesson. How many times is this you have to do this? How many times? And matter of fact, Man-at-Arms always tells Orko, don't play around with my stuff. Don't go into my stash, Orko. But he does. My personal DVD collections. Yeah, yeah. My Man-at-Arm toys, my electrical items that I have. God only knows. So we should add that He-Man and Shira's mother, like David said, is named Queen Marlena. She was originally from Earth. She was an astronaut that got caught into like a wormhole and ended up on Eternia and fell in love with a king. Now, what kind of luck is that? You land on a foreign planet. That's it. That's habitable. That's breathable, beautiful. And you meet a king. A good looking And the king, king looks like, I re- from what I remember back in the day, doesn't he look like He-Man with brown hair without the mustache at the yeah, time? Man. So a very attractive man as well. Well, king she was Randor. very shapely. You know, they made her astronaut suit like tight, like she was, uh, what is it, Seven of Nine from Star yes, Trek? Yes, yes, from Star Trek, yeah. Deep Space. We see that Man-at-Arms has the technology, and or we're assuming that the sorceress could also open a portal if she could manage to send her back to Earth. But she don't even want to go back, I guess. Yeah, man. Like, she wasn't invited to the party. They said that there was, no, no, right? there was no animals, no birds allowed, apparently. Yes, sorceress was not involved with this, which is weird. Everyone and their mother was in this show. Well, but poor thing maybe had to watch over while they were doing all these festivities. Maybe she's the one who had to watch over. Eternia. Oh my god, she's watching on a screen. She's watching the festivities, eating like a hot pocket <laughs> in her, her bird garments. Oh, so sad. This is when He-Man decides that he's going to go and try to get the Sky Spy back before Skeletor can capture this technology. Prince Adam transforms into He-Man, but I'm always, I'm surprised because Adora was there. He just ran right past her. So I guess he figured, let her celebrate, let her continue the festivities. He could handle it on his own. Which he does. Maybe it's his planet, his domain. Why bother her with it? But then she said, which all these characters always do, talk to themselves. I think my brother is going to need help. And she has a flying horse. She's got swift wind spirit. So, you know, that's the obvious choice. She could fly. Well, He-Man takes a sky... Is it sky tram? This isn't Disney. They're not taking the train. No, yeah, yeah, that's actually. It does sound like a Disney thing. He takes some kind of sky flying. You better and look that is, up. This is their thing that they straddle. Usually, it has like a ram, like a almost a ram-ish head on the front of it. I like the one that you can sit in that has the wings. I'm not going to straddle anything. Yeah, you really got to have strong thigh muscles to ride these things. <laughs> He-Man does tackle the collector, but at some point, the long tentacle pincher arms do wrap around He-Man, and of course, here comes She-Ra well, to save the day. Well, that's what she does. I don't know, they're like, what were they called? Force belts or something? It sounds very, yeah, very, everything very, has S&M, very S&M. Very S&M. 
he broke through a couple of them, and then they shot out a bunch of them at one time. These force belts that are whatever they're called that hold it. Well, that's the best thing about He-Man and She-Ra, and I'll even go as far as any '80s cartoons, Thundercats. Everything had a name, and everything was grandioso. It's not just the beast; it's the monstrous beast of the snow cave. Yeah. So we find out that after this battle, the Sky Spy goes into space and He-Man and She-Ra do try to attempt to follow it up into a certain point, but they can't breathe in space, although sometimes they're up there pretty high. Well, I remember She-Ra once turned her sword right into a helmet. helmet With, like I said, breathing apparatus, but what about poor Swiftwind? They could just, up into a certain point, it looks like I guess we could gather that they didn't get too far off into the atmosphere. They were seeing stars, basically. They were in space. Orko decides to use his magic, use the magic to fly the the sky spy, but it makes him go to Earth, where he crash lands and meets two children who have gotten lost. Well, he goes to Earth, and then he hears, Help! Help! And these these two children that are going to be crushed by the avalanche... (laughs) With a little tiny Christmas tree on a sled, which is super cute because that's just what you picture like a very Norman Rockwell, you know, two little kids on a with a little Christmas tree on a sled and the whole thing. But he manages to get the magic right, save the kids. So, you know, he when he need, when he needs to do it, you know, just like Madame Raz. When, yes, when, when, when things are, are tough, they really, need to, they really kind of pull it out. Come, it's almost like I feel forth. like they will their forced to like i have to get this right so orko's magic does work thankfully he saves the children and he comes to these children and they're really not bothered by this that a he's in a spaceship and b that he's a floating shirt yeah with like a hat with blue pointy ears and he's like a, a floating gnome Basically. Floating gnome, exactly. Although, I mean, he does come off sweet. I would probably fall for his beautiful, sweet charm as well. He has a beautiful heart. That's what my son says. You have a beautiful heart, Dad. Aww. So Orko does have a beautiful heart. And he tells these children, let's go into the Sky Spy so we don't freeze in the snow. They go with this, this space alien. They go into his spaceship. And they are worried because it's almost Christmas and they're afraid to to miss Christmas. And Orko has no idea what Christmas is. In the meantime, then they tell him about Christmas. They don't really go into... Which I think is a smart way of approaching this for... Details. They do mention the... There is a small mention of religion and a small mention of Santa Claus together. Like, you just see a little... I don't... I don't... I actually can't tell you exactly the verbiage, but basically... There is a general consensus of goodwill towards men to love your fellow man and and giving gifts is an appreciation and kind of when this time of year is when you try to be the best you can possibly be. That's what I got from the whole synopsis of of what they were saying. There was mention of the religious thing, but it, it cuts away from it. So I guess it's not overly religious. So it is inclusive in that way. They did it in a smart way that they got the point that they t- were telling Orko about Christmas, but it was off camera because they were like a long time ago. And then all of a sudden it cuts away. So it's smart that way to, that includes everyone who's watching this as kids. Well, back it's in the like, day. it's like Pee Wee when they do that really fast thing on magic sh- screen, right? With the, the Christ child, is that what they say or something? Yeah. And the three wise men and they kind of 
go through that really quickly. So now- Nowadays, I have a feeling that they wouldn't even bring this up at all. It would just be like, oh, it's Christmas. Going back to the spaceship, Man in Arms tells Orko, he go- Man in Arms, again, speaks out loud. I hope he knows and remembers that I told him to go into the light, which sounds sort of like poltergeist. He's like, go into the light, meaning there must be some sort of a tractor beam that he can pull Orko back, it go into the light. Right. But before they do that, they realize Man-at-Arm's transport beam needs a crystal, which is non-existent on Eternia. So he built a machine that needs a crystal that doesn't exist. Well, that is just not smart engineering. And we'll get to this at the point, but when the crystal does come, it, it fits perfectly into the machine. Like, he built it for this crystal to fit into this machine. Well, maybe those don't... crystals only grow to a certain size, okay? Stop being so judgmental about people's crystal sizes. We'll give them that. We'll give them that. And now here's a special holiday message from the Brunch with the Hollowells podcast. So I, I guess we'll count to three and then say happy holidays? Let's do it that way. Okay. Okay. Okay, one, two, three. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Of course, we were off. Right, Sean? Why do you always do this? Happy holidays, everyone. This is Rob. And this is Sean. I'm not the Grinch like my partner here is. <laughs> we're from Brunch with the Hollowells and wanted to wish all of you a happy holidays yes happy holiday get your favorite witch on and be radical (laughs) all right let's do one more count one two three blessed Blessed be be. damn it rob you got it off (laughs) why do you always do this to me okay whatever so adora hears that it's a water crystal and thinks, I know who I'm going to see. I'm going to Etheria and I'm going to find Mermista. So actually, I guess Mermista was the only one that stayed because she's in the water. <laughs> so they, they didn't invite her. Uh, well, listen, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Sorry, Mermista. <laughs> and this is the original Mermista, not from the, the Shira reboot, which I personally love the Shira reboot's Mermista take. She's almost like a Sailor Mars, I feel she's like. She's very way. like, oh God, these people are so stupid. <laughs> like she's just too much. But uh, doesn't the original Mermista has like a French accent or some sort She of- has a French accent, yes. And she's voiced by Shira. It's just basically the actress with a, I will do this for you, Shira. I, I will always help you. <laughs> no, but she. So- She's, she tries to put on like a French sounding, at least that's my recollection. Re- no, I hear, fr- I heard French as well. It's definitely. She, no, I don't know. I can't yeah. do it. I don't speak French. So I. So Mermista says to her, if it is in the water, she will find it. But there's a, there's an issue. It's guarded by a fierce creature known as the beast monster. And it's in the, by the old ruins. Cause everybody knows what the old ruins are. It's, I used to play there and the old ruins. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, Shira, I will meet you at the old ruins. Yeah. Shira gets to the old ruins with Swiftwind. And sure enough, the beast monster comes out of the water. Now, I just want to do a little side note. I don't know what this is, but I am freaked out by any creature that looks like a dinosaur that comes out of the water. Since I was a child, this includes Godzilla. I love Godzilla, but the idea of a dinosaur-looking thing coming out of the water just freaks me the hell out. I don't know why. So this was a dinosaur-looking creature that came out of the water. Out of the water? Out of the water. And... 
I just want to add that. I don't know if that's another thing. I, I'm, I'm airing my psychological issues on this podcast, but the beast monster is an underwater creature that looks like a dinosaur, but he's goofy actually when he comes out. He is not very treacherous looking. R- Riot is afraid of water creatures and 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Katie Lang? Katie Lang. <laughs> Radical retro <laughs> rewinders. Jingle around the clock. Actually, yeah. If the only thing to make the beast monster any scarier was if Katie Lang came out of the water wearing that outfit. We are, we are making <laughs> probably making a million enemies. There are going to be people that are going to be like, cancel them, cancel them. They talked about Katie. The Katie and our girl Bulky. I started following her on Instagram. Everyone, she has an Instagram profile. Evidently, she's an artist now. And she has a store, so if anyone wants to order any Feruza bulk I'm merchandise. So I'm so excited. You, you're getting better. The beast monster comes out of the water and trips over something and is done within two seconds. So that was actually not as bad as you would have thought. But Shira says, we would never have found it if it wasn't for Mamista. I'm so but, glad we left her behind. I'm so glad we didn't invite her to that party. <laughs> Marmista, if I'm not mistaken, in another episode, she can grow feet. Yes, she can. She can She can turn into full Ariel on... I don't even know what the hell I'm trying to say. She got feet. Girls got feet if she wants to. At the same time, after this happens, Marmista leaves. And immediately, a group of huge android menaces known as the Monstroids that have been hiding under the ground, I suppose, waiting for someone to come like Shira. And the ruins. By the it, ruins. Yeah, they're in the ruins. So there's a lot going on in this ruins. The Monstroids trap Shira and Swiftwind. They trap them and as they transform into fake transformers and they make that... Oh, yes. So let's talk about the Monstroids. <laughs> They do that transformation sequence, which is what the, just that one is just like, he puts his arms out in a flying position and he just takes off. That's one of the creatures. You see, maybe they were just GoBots. Maybe they really weren't transformers. They were <laughs> yeah, they were really knockoff. They were transform knockoffs of GoBots even. Exactly. After they leave, Shira turns her sword into a flame and cuts that bubble down and does one of her famous spin kicks and knocks down a door that she created in the bubble and she flies back and returns with the crystal to man-at-arms i don't know you're talking about spin kicks you remember in the movie independence day when the mother will smith's open the door to say <laughs> yeah. that's that that's some she stuff right there So this is when Orko remembers to stand in the light, like David was saying. And the two children, which are named Miguel and Alicia, along with the Sky Spy and their Christmas tree, are transported back to Eternia. They are told it may take a few days to recharge the crystal before they can return to Earth. And they are quite distressed that they might miss Christmas. Not that they're missing their parents, just Christmas. Right? They're not even worried that their parents are going to think that they're missing or kidnapped. No. They went with the space alien. Well, they are little kids. So maybe, I mean, listen, that's a lot to digest that there's a whole other world that you're going to, a flying elf, and all this other crazy stuff going on. Then you meet, now I'm thinking about this. So Man-at-Arms can go all the way to Earth to pick up, like, with a beam, and Marlena has never made any attempt to go back to Earth. Yeah, that's what I was... I am a queen on this planet. On my planet, I'm considered a queen (sighs) too, Marlena, but I would still visit. (sighs) 
No, she's done. She's like, I don't care if I had a family. So it's almost like this is like coinciding. So it's not like it's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, He-Man and Shira are taking place concurrently to what's happening on Earth in the 80s, which is crazy. Well, there are a lot of theories about that I've read up on like third earth is actually earth like on Thundercats after we offed ourselves. That's horrible. To Which say. would make sense for the money. And they even said like Etheria, not, not Etheria, Eternity could also be earth. Like, and then when they're going back, it's like more like a time travel thing as opposed to, oh. as opposed to, I know that's a really crazy concept in some way. Parallel time or something. Yeah, but whatever, whatever. Anyway, that's way off. off but that's theme. really something though to think of. So, yes, the kids are upset about Christmas. They're going to get this crystal. And then... Marlena. Marlena. As a matter of fact, she's like, I'm having these children about a few days close to Christmas. So when I have my children, we're going to celebrate the twins' birth. And we're going to add a Christmas celebration to the festivities. So the kids get to have a Christmas. And they also get to celebrate Adam and Adora's birthday. And I just want to mention a little trivia here. Evidently, Adam and Adora are turning 20 years old during this. So they are young. They're mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. like... Young He-Man. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway. So He-Man is only 20 years old. and she, Well, He-Man and she are only 20 years old at the time. Get the best of both worlds. Adam and He-Man. Anyway... Skeletor and Hordak are summoned by their supreme master, Horde Prime, who believes that the Christmas spirit is now being brought to Eternia and is the only thing that could stop his rise of power. He orders them to go capture the two Earth children, promising a reward, which sparks a fierce competition between Skeletor and Hordak. Skeletor and Hordak are the respective villains on He-Man and She-Ra, and Horde Prime is in charge of the Horde. He is a, in the filmation version of She-Ra, he is a, a gigantic hand, much like Dr. Claw in Expector Gadget. And he's assuming like a giant because he is like a, I mean the hand, the size of the hand is the size of Hordak and Skeletor. Well, here's the thing too is yeah, that 100% they, they, they imply cause he's always in like smoke and mist and like flames or whatever, whatever's going on that he is obviously a robot of some kind. Right. Like or, Horde. And his hands, his hand, one hand that always, he's always pointing and slamming and stuff is huge. But I found it funny is that when you look at the origin story of Shira, how Skeletor was Hordak's apprentice and broke away. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Skeletor is left on Eternia and Hordak goes to Etheria, you know, after they steal Adora. And then he breaks away from the Horde. So this is a kind of a weird thing that they're now being summoned by Horde Prime Right. As if Skeletor is still part of the Horde. So I don't know if that breaks the, the origin story up or, I mean, just for purposes for the cartoon, they had to do that because there was this kind of rivalry between Hordak and right, Skeletor. Right, right. Which you do see in Shira, like the actual show Shira, where um, Shadow Weaver teams up with Skeletor to get back at Hordak at some point. And, That's a uh, great episode, actually. Yeah, one of, you know, you do see that. But it's just interesting. Obviously, for purposes of, of crossovers, they probably needed to do that. You, but no, you're right, because Skeletor does not answer to the Horde anymore after, you know, the Secret of the Sword. So yeah, so it is weird, unless there was this, like, huge cosmic disturbance in the evil world. Christmas is here! So it, like, b- brings all the villains together. But David's right. In continuity-wise, 
Skeletor isn't part of the Horde, but I guess it's Christmas is such a threat. <laughs> Why didn't Horde Prime just go and take over Earth? That would have been an easy kill. We're kind of puny compared to the Horde. Right, right. And if, there is no protection. If, if Man in Arms can can reach Earth with a tractor beam with a crystal, I'm sure Horde Prime... Yeah, but a crystal that might exist and might exist on another planet that's under the water. So, Man in Arms, you need to improve your technology a little. Yes, the two are set out... The two rivals are set out to capture the Spirit of Christmas, these two children. In the meantime, Bo just finishes writing a song he wrote about Christmas. Just the right setting for my new Christmas song. Let's try it. Love and caring, peaceful bliss, joys of sharing, happiness. Christmas spirits in the air, eternia and everywhere. The kids have been there for a few hours, and they've converted everyone over to Christmas. You know, it happens. People, people, <laughs> people come to your door. They're beautiful and friendly. And I'm friendship. Convinced, $15? I'm convinced. Bo is outside with Perfuma and Miguel and Alicia. He comes up with this song about Christmas relatively fast, unless the kids are just... Well, Bo has a lot of time on his hands, apparently, because he does have a lot of songs. Yes, th- that is a running theme in Shira, right? That he does like to play his harp, mm-hmm. or whatever he plays. What is, is it a harp? Well, it's no, it's kind of like, it looks like his bow, his bow's bow, transforms into like almost like a string sort of an instrument that's, which looks like something like a, the shape of almost like a triangle sort of a thing with strings. Whatever it is, it's like some sort of a, a modified ukulele, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and he plays it well. It's like harpish. It, it's yeah. like a string instrument. It's pretty, right. It's pretty tiny. It doesn't sound kooky. And they sing a song which I think is very cute about Christmas. Bo is playing along. Perfuma's just there. She does turn... She tries, flowers. To, she tries to make the kids feel better by turning winter, because it's snow there, winter into spring. She makes all these spring flowers. It's like, no, Perfuma, Christmas doesn't have those type of flowers. So then she turns everything into poinsettias. And... So it's nice to know that winter is happening all over the world at the same time as well. Well, <laughs> winter is a time that we expect. Not but... this permanent winter. Yeah, it's Sailor Moon. Not this permanent winter is wrong, but anyway. Orko and Cowl are dancing to the song, but all of a sudden, Hordex shows up and uses his tractor beam to capture Miguel and Alicia, taking Orko with them. He and his minions do not get far, though, because their ship is brought down by the Monstroids, who take the children hostage to deal with Horde Prime themselves and force Hordak and his men to retreat. So the Monstroids come back at this point. I want to add that Bo is knocked out by something, but Perfuma and Cowl are just not seen ever again. It's like aren't even acknowledged. So they just do nothing to help the children. Well, I mean, what was she going to do? Throw some flowers at them? Perfuma's there and she's just like, Oh, children! Something like that. Her voice is not very... I'll I'll just leave it as that. While this is happening... The children and Orko are actually saved by a group known as the Manchines. 
not to be confused with the Manchichis. Also an 80s cartoon. So, how would you describe the Manchines? They have, like, human faces that are, like, grayish-blue, right? But then they have bodies of, like, almost, like, machines. So, Manchines, maybe Machines, like Manchines. Yes, I mean, they have a cool name. One's like looks like a skateboard, though, right? Or And he has, like, a, 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 a very cliche, like, he's, like, a racing car. Yeah, so he's, like, get on me, zipper, yeah. or something like they're, he zips they're, around. They're cutesy. They're, like, these little tiny... They actually look like the Silverhawks, almost. Like, that kind cartoon. Of, like, mean, they're, like, metal it. people with human faces, like David said. They're little people. But there's an army of them, and they save the children, and they evidently are the... The polar opposite of the monsters. Of, yes, thank you, the monstroids. The Manchines are like the Burbles of Third Earth. Yes, so. yes, yes. They're, they're sweet, yes. but I feel like the And bur- evidently they build things. Yeah, I, I feel like the Burbles are a little more docile. The manchin, oh. the, the the little manchines will kind of do what they have to do. He-Man and Shira want to find the children again, so Shira decides to talk to Peekaboo, which evidently, because we see her earlier in the palace, so she's sitting in some kind of royal room in the palace by herself, spreading out her wings. What is it, David? She almost like her wings almost like dial up. Like I can't describe it. Like she has like like a peacock, a peacock, a peacock but, wings, but each, they like each, light up. Each eye blinks, and then they blink, and they then they the center, the center feather with the peacock eye glows. Like she's going from three G to five G. She's you know yeah. She tunes in basically, and it goes bing, 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 and then when it gets to the center of her feather, it, it alerts her. Well, and she's well, Hordak used her once to spy on the. Yes, the Whispering Woods, right? The Whispering Woods at one point, he was, she was under their control or whatever. So, I mean, it's a, it's a useful thing. She's their, she's their resident, like, psychic medium slash... Yes, spy? She, she, she's a seer. She's a seer. Yeah, yeah, she's a seer. She's a seer she's from a Charmed. Seer. She's a seer, but she's got... She's got a peacock montage going. Peacock. And I always thought her name was Peekaboo, but it is Peekaboo. Who knew? Well, peekaboo would make sense because a child goes peekaboo when they open their eyes and close their eyes, so it makes sense. And she's wearing blue, so she's peekaboo. You know, people are very literal on Eternia and Etheria. You must dress as your name says. What's his name? Isn't his name the re- there's the Red Knight and there's the... Oh my god. He's all in red. Anyway. Your name will be Person in Corner because you stand yeah, in know, a like corner. Yeah, you sit in a corner. Yeah. Sit a lot. <laughs> That's sit a lot. He's known for sitting. And Sir Mix a lot. He's known for mixing. <laughs> you know they were they were invited to the royal jubilee. He Man and Shira show up just in time to handle the monstroids. But during the battle, Skeletor arrives and captures Miguel and Alicia, taking them with them and a Manchine puppy named Relay. Hordak reappears and shoots down Skeletor's sky scooter. It's a sky scooter, David. (laughs) Crash landing him in a snowy mountain range. So this is when Skeletor is now forced to go on foot with the children to Horde Prime. Now, I'm under the illusion that Horde Prime was another in space. So I don't know where Skeletor was walking to, but he had to get a move on it. Well, he wanted to, he said he's not going to stick around for Hordak to come back and get him and the kids. So he's going to deliver these kids to Horde Prime. And, and I feel like it's almost like a, it's like a pissing contest between the two. It's not even that, I don't even think Skeletor really cares if the kids go to with Horde Prime or not, or for whatever reason. He's no, like, I, I agree. Like, I'm going to one-up Hordak. That's so true. 
I just want to add that Skeletor, they're in a frozen mountain. Now the kids have clothes on, but Skeletor is in his famous, you know, like uh, his underwear and his harness and his little skull scarf around his head. So basically walking around naked. But a, the he, has kids, a, he has a unitard on. I don't know. With yeah, he, he does. He's, he's got his furry underwears that they have, the He-Man underwear. And during the trek, the kids are freezing. And they do want the the little puppy that came with them is this cute little robot dog. But like the Manchines, he's got like a puppy head, but a robot body. This little puppy is freezing and Skeletor says to leave him, leave it. <laughs> I'm not cleaning up after that puppy. Right, right. He's not dealing with that. They're, the children are begging him. They're begging him. And he looks back and he sees this puppy and it's giving him puppy eyes. So Skeletor. Well, here's the thing. They're, the kids are freezing and he's like, so keep walking, you know, whatever he does. And and so the kids say they can't because they're freezing to death. So he actually gives them coats. And they look like very nice. Yeah, yes, fluffy they're, jackets. They're fleece lined, high quality down. And now, so he gives them the jacket, so they're able to carry on. Just took a jacket for them to warm up. But the puppy, Skeletor, picks up the puppy and decides to hold him instead of giving him to the children. And the puppy licks him and shows affection towards him. They're like, oh, Skeletor, you're so nice, Mr. Skeletor. He's like, I'm not nice. Nice of you to save Relay, Mr. Skeletor. I am not nice. Oh, stop that. Do you want me to hold him? Uh, no. Uh, no. No, we'll go faster if uh, if I carry him. But uh, tell me more about this, uh, this Christmas. I think Skeletor is one of those characters that you can play him like this because... He's Skeletor. He he always, as evil as he is, he's never really that evil. Okay, yes, when I did, I was researching this topic. There was a, someone did say that he is the person that kidnapped Adora. So he, she never knew her family until 19, 20 years later, but he's not. Well, he did that with Hordak. That's true. He did do that with Hordak, but he is not a villain that's so, he like, he knows how to have fun. I, I don't know how not to describe Mumra. him. He's not Mumra. He's not pure, unadulterated evil. Like he won't slit your throat. Like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like, he won't slit your throat. Like, he, where where Mumra would just annihilate you, he actually, like, frothing at the mouth. Like, Skeletor, I think there's some sorrow there. I think he's got some Yeah, I, I agree. I think Skeletor is... His face got melted off. His face got melted yeah, off. I, I was just about to there. say his, yeah. I think he so there has is some humanity. Issues. He has humanity in him to some degree. He enjoys dabbling in the evil, but he's... He just... Even like he, there have been parts where he like gets defeated and he's like on the ground. He's like, oh my God, this again. Like, I can't believe it. This is that thing which he says to Shira? Warrior. A female He-Man. Oh, I can't believe it. This is the worst <laughs> day of my life. Yes. Like, so, I mean, he has a campiness about him. He's funny. I guess there is some form of humanity in him because he's not completely heartless. I would say even more than Hordak, right? I would say that over Hordak, Skeletor has more of that in him. He's more likable. I guess so. He's more in this, and I guess in that sense, he's just, he's a lot of, he's a lot of hot air too. He's like very, he's got a lot of gusto. He's just very, 
Like, even when he goes to, like, the bird brain or something, he'll, like, tell, tell, tell the sorcerer's, like, an idiot, basically, or, or, uh, Beast Man is, like, you oh, yeah, Beast smelly Man. thing, you know, whatever. He's just, like, funny. He's funny about it. So, yes. And the children end up telling him about Christmas, which they must, the same story that they must have told to Bo. And yes, because they, cu- they cut away again. They do mention that you get presents, and he's like, do they explode when you open them? He's, and he sounds so, I love Skeletor. He sounds so lovable when he says that. He's like, do they explode? Everyone has lots of fun. You mean they get in fights? No, no, they have fun. Fights are fun. I like fights. And you give each other presents. And when you open them, they explode, right? No, they're nice gifts. Nice doesn't sound like much fun to me. While they're walking in the snow, a snow beast shows up. Now, the snow beast is what you would expect from a snow beast in a Christmas special. A white, fluffy-looking creature, much like a Yeti, much like a Star Wars Wampa. The abominable snow beast from the claymation. Abominable snow be- yes. The claim, yes. The, the red-nosed reindeer claymation. A- abominable ghost from Scooby-Doo, I feel like, when they went skiing. It's all the same thing, like a white creature. And Skeletor quickly takes care of that. He beast. says, get behind me. He tells the children, get behind me. Because he's protecting Get behind me! Yeah, he's protect- <laughs> protecting them, which is softening around the edges. These children have, this is all it took was children this whole time. If Skeletor would have had some children, Believe things me. could have been different. Believe things could me. have been. It does change you. I, my children changed me. I used to be hardcore horror slash slice them, dice them, B films, C films, D films. Now, certain things I can't watch because they're just, to me, they're very graphic. And before, I had no problem watching any of it. Like, I would almost like be laughing through it. Like, because you're seeing through, I guess, your, like, children's eyes again. I guess then I'm Skeletor. Listen, I am not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. And I'm still delivering you to Horde Prime. Just as Horde Prime arrives in a ship, He-Man and She-Ra and Orko catch up. But Hordak arrives as well. He knocks Skeletor out by deflecting his laser blast and distracts He-Man and She-Ra by sending out Horde Troopers. Just in the nick of time, Relay, the dog, succeeds in waking Skeletor by licking his face. So Skeletor wakes up by the dog. (laughs) This is when Skeletor decides to shoot down Horde Prime, basically, I feel like. He's like, I don't know why I'm doing this. What's come over me? But I have to save the children. And he shoots the ship. And then and then Horde and then he's like, Horde Prime will be so mad at me. And then you hear Horde Prime, yes, I'll be very mad at you. Like, like very mad, it's like, Skeletor. It's like so silly. I guess because we're older. But I'll be very mad at you. <laughs> but ever, 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 yeah. Skeletor says to He-Man and She-Ra that he cannot believe what's come over him. And he is so glad that Christmas only happens once a year. And Skeletor smiles. He smiles and his if he had cheeks, they would be rosy, I think. It warmed his bones. Now he needs to go back home and say, you know what, Eva Lynn? Let's have a dinner. Old Beast Man, Merman. You know, have everyone over at Snake Mountain. Let's just... He's like, I'll do the seating arrangement. You sit next to the flea bag. (laughs) I will be doing the decorating! (laughs) So, back at the palace, 
The good guys celebrate their Christmas party slash birthday. And this is when Adam dresses as Santa because they're not sure that the kids are going home for Christmas at this point. Man-in-Arms is still working on his crystal machine. Queen Marlin is like, maybe I could at least keep these two children from Earth. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, she's like, like I didn't get to I didn't get to raise a door, but uh, that little girl's a blonde. Maybe they won't notice if I take this child. This crystal's broken, man at arms. No, it, <laughs> Marlena, it's broken. I said it's broken, Duncan. <laughs> I am your queen. <laughs> Prince Adam slash Santa gives Miguel and Alicia flying space belts as a gift for Christmas. I mean, there's a side moment when Santa, Prince Adam, goes to Adora and says, Merry Christmas, and have you been good, young lady, or something like that. And Adora pulls down Adam's beard and says, I know it's you, brother. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas, young lady! Merry Christmas, brother. Oh, you know, you knew it was me all the time, didn't you? Uh-huh. Well, Merry Christmas, sis. So that was a cute, and he's like, oh, how did you know it was me? I love Prince Adam's voice, by the way. He put on a deeper voice, not his He-Man voice, but he had a deeper voice, and then all of a sudden when Adora figures out it's him, pulls the beard off, he's like, oh, wow, how did you know it was me? Prince Adam has my voice. <laughs> She's like, how did you know it was me? <laughs> because of the way you sashayed in here, Santa. I know my brother. She, Adora's like, are you bringing someone, a special friend to? To Christmas this year, Adam? You hang out with someone called Man-at-Arms and Fisto? Oh my god. There is a He-Man character named Fisto that has, basically his power is a huge fist. (laughs) So. That's not made for TV. (laughs) They're kind of like, I feel like some of the characters are, and again, tangent, tangent, are like um, sidekicks. Well, you like marry. What, 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 what's his name with the head that he bra- breaks through stuff? Neck and neck. No, neck and neck's got the long neck. What's the guy who, who jumps up and down that has the New York accent? Oh, Ram hey. Man? Ram, Ram Man. Man is like, oh, is like, Ram Man. Another name. This is who he hangs out with. Your friends are Ram Man, Fisto, and Man at Arms. Hmm. <laughs> Ram Man, David. <laughs> Don't be outing Prince Adam. He's When he's ready, he's only 20. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they are young. Funny. So what did we learn from all of these cartoons? You have to be in your teens to be getting powers. Yes, yeah, so I'm past that. I don't know. We have uh, stray black cats that come to this apartment continuously, various ones. And each one I go, Luna, have you come to give me my powers yet? And we go, wow. So to end this, Man-at-Arms finally has the crystal charged. And he sends Miguel and Alicia back to their home on Earth, where they are welcomed back by their parents that do mention that they're glad that they're okay and they can explain everything tomorrow. But I'm sorry, they were gone for how days? Listen, sometimes it happens. I could tell you some funny stories. (laughs) (laughs) So they're gone for days. And to wrap this up, I want to say that He-Man and Shira always do have a message or, you know, some kind of important life lesson. And again, it is a Christmas special, but... They make it very inclusive because Adam states, although we celebrate it and get presents, Christmas is about caring, sharing, and goodwill. It is the spirit within all of us. And then Orko says that that's what makes him happy is Christmas is the presents, but Merry Christmas to all. Which is very similar to like with Pee Wee. The ending of Christmas special. That's what I think is missing in a lot of the cartoons today is the fact that 
and maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe children these days would not gravitate towards it, but I do miss having those like little ABC after school special moments where they just kind of say something kind. And, and I think that's what we're lacking in, in society to begin with. So yes, I thoroughly appreciate it. Kindness is timeless. That's the thing. Like people don't understand that. Maybe some people don't, that's what we reminisce about these cartoons. I think there's certainly that warmth that we got from, from cartoons where I think is lacking. Don't get me wrong. I love a lot of my, cartoons that I watch now, anime and different things. And, you know, but there's definitely something lacking in that department. And I, and some people say, well, it's not up to a cartoon to teach you that, but I think it is. If you see, if you spend a lot of time watching cartoons, I think you, maybe the moral obligation from the creators, I think is important. You know, like with Shira. So let's say the new Shira, for example, like with introducing gay characters, I think that that is certainly something that we can relate to and we we could be happy about that. And we do want to do, I'm sure at some point we'll do a, maybe like a Shira versus Shira comparison. An interesting topic, I believe. Yes, these are cheesy stories, but I have to say there's a warmth in these characters that I feel is missing because most cartoons I noticed today, even the heroes, and maybe this makes the heroes less one dimensional, but I noticed that a lot of heroes are so snarky nowadays, along with being heroic. So yes, they're not one dimensional. They're not just like He-Man and Shira were just good. Let's just say like, you know, they're good people, but there's something about Adora and Adam, when you look at them, they are just, they just show warmth. I don't know if it's the way they're drawn, but even on Adora's face, when you look at her, she just has like a warmth and a, a feeling that gives me personally when I see these characters. You you feel, you know that they're good. You know that they're good people. But they have flaws too, honestly. They're, I've seen Adora get angry, but that's being That's human, being human, so right? Uh, but at the same time, she is still... They personify goodness. They always do the best of their ability and they're always trying to help out a friend or someone in need. And that's something, again, we can definitely learn from, especially this year, the way it's gone, we can definitely learn from helping each other and individuals and people that have lost somebody and people that are struggling financially, you know, just the kind of the gambit of all of it that people are going through, you know, whether or not you agree with them politically or whatever, that they're still human beings, that there is suffering going on, that, you know, something that really bothers me and I could just cry thinking about is as the amount of children that are starving in this country right now. You know how many children are starving in this country before COVID and now after COVID? Missing out on school programs because the schools are closed. Yes. They rely on and they're not there because the schools are closed. So, you know, take to heart, you know, I'm, I, I always feel like I end sappy a lot of the time with podcasts, but take to heart that there are people out there that do need love and, and help and that are suffering. And some people won't ask because of they don't want to seem weak or maybe pride or even the fact that they just don't want to burden somebody else. And it really shows you that as bad as you think things are, you know, people always have it worse than you do, unfortunately. Sure. To wrap up this week's Radical Retro Rewind, next week is Christmas, everybody. Can you believe how quickly this came? My God. No, I can't. And it, you, you do all this preparation. Like, I always try to get my tree up and stuff um, and get my, my Christmas cards out to family in a timely manner. And it just never seems to be enough time, even though, you know, we've been home a significant amount of time because of COVID and everything. It's still like... Um, 
you know. Well, no, because I feel like your days then just adapt almost into a new schedule. It's in a home schedule, so it's almost just as filled as we were leaving the house. (laughs) I feel like I just took down my Halloween decorations to put up Thanksgiving, and then it just flipped to Christmas. So it's crazy. So hopefully everyone at least took the time to enjoy the time as much as they can. It has been a crazy different Christmas this year, different holidays in general. But so when we do return in January, we will be coming back with all new episodes, back to regularly scheduled programs every Friday come the new year. Yay. I hope you enjoy them as much as we have this year making them. So this is kind of like our little... What would you say? This is not our little hiatus. It's like the yeah, it's like our mid yeah, like mid, a, it's our mid season finale it is, coming up. It is the mid season finale, and we're so thankful for everyone who has listened and for spending this holiday time with us. If you want to reach David, you can find him on Instagram at Universal Appeal Twenty Twenty, all one word. And to reach the official Radical Retro Rewind podcast page on Instagram, it is Radical Retro Podcast. Podcast one word. We will be posting holiday messages and pictures up until the big day, so please stay tuned to that. And if you find it in the kindness of your heart and you enjoy the show, we would love if you would review and possibly like it on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. Let us know. And there's something actually. This is something we never thought about. If you want us to review something, you want to yes. Hear our our crazy New York accents review something, then please, please, we're open. We're very open and we would love to have a conversation with you. So yeah, let us know. It's a great idea. Please let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will see you in the new year. Thank you again. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.